What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Emerson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Healthy and alive. Nice cup of tea with me. Usual ritual. All right. So talk to me about GameStop. What's going on? Uh, so what I can surmise is there was a discussion on Reddit about something to do with stocks. Um, I believe it was stock bets or something like that is what the, the um, subreddit was. Anyway, um, Elon Musk posted a link about it and kind of memed and said uh game stonk stonk is the meme it's a it's like a a mannequin's head on a on a like a dude with a suit and instead of saying stocks and showing like the line going up it's stonk anyway it's a long-standing meme. i i don't follow the memes i i i just i don't know i'm not in the the social media realm so i can't it, it's hard to keep up with all that stuff if you're not there yeah and i'm, I'm not in the social media world either i but i do partake in memes because you know that can be fun sometimes but anyway uh you gotta you gotta stay up on zoomers and whatnot right i suppose so he he posted it and at the time he posted it stocks were at about 60 60 percent increase roughly on tuesday uh after he posted it it went up to 127 percent or 129 somewhere in there so uh just kind of going up and down GameStop, you know, they, they had a drop and then they went up and then it's gone down. And so, yeah, anyway, so it, it went up again. I think the stock was worth 300 and 330 some dollars. Uh-huh. And uh, so yeah. now AMC is another one that's in there that's, uh, that's being swapped and traded and all that stuff. And apparently... Some people are saying that uh, that uh, I don't know where this is coming from, but they're saying that like Nazis on Telegram are are doing this for trade options or something. I don't know where that's coming from, but that's um, what is being said. That that's kind of right. That's what the stock market is, right? It's public trading, so you're gonna get anti-Semitics. You're gonna get um, I don't know terrorists. You're gonna get. I mean, it's 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 a free market. It's whoever does business, right? So. Yeah, you're going to run into that. Well, just, here's what's interesting. You say all this started on, uh, it was like a subreddit or something? That, that's where all this mm-hmm. started? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. people in the mainstream media are now saying that Reddit needs to be regulated the same way that, um, uh, what, what is it, like some of these other socials are, are you know, regulated. So th- they're going to go after everything. Don't you understand? They're, they're going to go after mm-hmm. everything. They're saying that, well, Bill Gates, we got some stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about Bill Gates this afternoon a little bit. But he's saying that social media companies need to be cracking down on people that are fueling conspiracy theories about him. There's a difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy fact when it comes to Bill Gates. There's a big difference. We'll talk about that later today. But yeah, now they're saying that uh, Reddit needs to be moderated and, and regulated and, and all the rest of it uh, because because of this, apparently this GameStop thing, this AMC thing, apparently this is somehow, because of what it's doing, then now you got to go in and you got to regulate uh, Reddit. So let, let, me, let me ask you this, um, and this is really more opposed to the listener. Are you for free speech or are you not for free speech? I mean, if you're for free speech, then are you going to stand up? Are you going to are you going to talk to your governor? Are you going to talk to your rep? Are you going to talk to your senator? Are you going to talk to anybody about 
how they're regulating this and encourage them that if they want to be reelected, they should make a stand and stand for the constitution. But you know, that's just, that's just me. No, you're absolutely right. What do you stand for? Do you want free speech or don't you? You can't have it one way and not the other. It doesn't work like, like that. You, you can't have things one way. You can't. That defeats the purpose. That defeats the purpose. The, see, the problem is, is they, they're to the point now where they can't win a single argument on anything, on anything at all. And so, you know, someone that has an opposite viewpoint, they can't win an argument. So they're not willing to sit down and have the discussion. It's not an argument. It's not going down or, you know, going down a road with somebody and, and trying to win that argument. It, it's not that. It's just having the discussion. And so they look at it as, well, you have to see things their way and they're not willing to budge on anything. And so you have to capitulate to that. And capitulation gets you nowhere. Capitulation has got us to this point. It's gotten it's gotten us to this point. So no one is well, no one that we've elected has ever fought back before, at least none that I can see. So at oh, least but, not in my lifetime. No, no, but see, even the founding fathers, see, even they capitulated in the beginning, right? With with slavery. They wanted to abolish slavery right off the bat. And then and then they capitulated and didn't get rid of it for another like ten years after that, right? So they capitulated and they the big difference there in my example is yes they did compromise but you know what the key difference was they had a plan to enact what they were doing you know what they were trying to get through that's why they delayed it the 10 years that's why the declaration is worded the same way or or the way it is right actually, all men all men are created actually equal. if you go back and you look at the first drafts the first drafts not the final draft, mm -hmm. which is what we have. If you go back and you look at the first drafts of the Declaration mm -hmm. of Independence, those are very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, they it's interesting. Well, the for example, um, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness wasn't actually life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. In the beginning, it was life, liberty, and property. They were concerned that property would be used uh, to dehumanize slaves. So yeah. they got rid of property and said pursuit of happiness. So just a little. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah, they're going to regulate Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Not even like that. It's it's funny because now they're turning on their own. You see how they're doing this? Like it's it's life. You, do you remember Arlen Specter? Do, do you remember Senator Arlen Specter? You know the uh, mm -hmm. the one that always yeah. said, "I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me." Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book. His memoir. I haven't read it all, but the <laughs> the excerpts of it are hilarious. Well, at least the ones that are out there. But the uh, the the actual the actual book itself wasn't very wasn't very well done. But he was right in the way that he titled it. And the title of his memoirs was Life Among the Cannibals. And that's what it is. He was right about that. You can forget everything else. I mean, I didn't like the guy, right? I, I didn't care for him. But the title for his memoirs was perfect when he's talking about the U.S. Congress as a whole. Life Among the Cannibals. They eventually get to a point where, the, and, and every totalitarian system is like this, it's so radical that you eventually just turn on each other. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're at right now. They are just so radical with all of this identity politics and these race politics and uh, this this gender, whatever they're doing. I think, well, you could loop that into identity politics. But yeah. uh, all of this stuff, all of this stuff has made them so radical that now, now they're to the point where they've they've thrown most of the people off or people have left. So they've become the echo chambers and the echo chambers are now imploding on themselves. And it's hilarious. It's sad, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's sad because we're losing our freedoms and liberties at the same time. That's See, the sad part. Yeah. To give you an example, Reddit, Reddit is largely left-leaning. 
Like if you've looked at the stuff on there, it's heavily left-leaning. The most really conservatives in general, conservatives typically don't, they don't go onto social medias like that or, or different platforms and then just start flaunting their beliefs everywhere like the left does. And they don't run people off for having different views and all those kind of things. They're the more tolerant ones, right? So typically, they don't want to cause trouble, typically, which is coincidentally, this is also why we're in the situation we're in as conservatives, because of that complicit nature. It's, it's uh, because you're unwilling to argue your points. We're, we're kind of, um, you know, seeing our freedoms eroded away. You know, I, I don't really like going on Reddit. I go on there sometimes. I never post anything. I just go on there to read things. And the reason I go on to read things is because if you're searching for something like instructions on how to do something, or if you're looking for support for something, you know, a product or a service, then usually what pops up in the search results for a particular product or service is a subreddit. And so you hop on and it's, it's essentially think of it like a feedback forum. So you jump onto a forum. This is what we used to do back in the uh, late 90s, right? Mid to late 90s when the internet was just starting to you know come around and be popular in people's households, but we still had dial up internet. You would go on the forums to find out information mm -hmm. about things. This message is how you boards. would learn. Yeah, exactly. Message boards. So this is how you would learn. And that's essentially what, what Reddit is and what subreddits and stuff are. But the only thing that I find irritating about that is, I mean, I'm still thinking of it in terms of how it was like 20 years ago where or well, 25 years ago, where you go onto a message board or onto a forum and it is that topic. As in when somebody would post something, you're on topic and you stay that way all the way down through there. And so you can go down through and you can look through all the different pages of things until on that particular topic until you find a solution that works for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what you would do. That's how you would learn on a technical device or something. That's how we would learn about Blackberries, right? There was a, for a message board and a forum back in the day called Pinstack. You could jump on there and you would learn about how to, you know, work the device and get down into like the programming and the coding of it and everything and change around things that you needed uh, in order to make it work for you. And you could tailor that device to how you needed it to work. If you boil it down, that is what Reddit is. If you boil it down, well, because each subreddit is its own community focused around a set topic. And then when you go into a certain thread, you go into that thread, that thread is going to stay on that topic. So it, it is essentially like forums in a, in a sense, how, how they are, or at least yeah. all the forms I've been on, you know, like the uh, for video games and stuff. That's why I was on forms back in the day. But yeah, yes and no. I mean, my, my biggest gripe, I guess my point with that was is my biggest gripe with Reddit has always been when I go on there to look for something, if I'm looking for the information as in like a message board format, I get the topic. I get what the problem is that someone's listed. And then a couple of lines of people giving their feedback on it, what their experience is on it. But then as you get to like the fifth, sixth, you know, seven and so on comment down, when you expand that, it turns into like this conversation that has nothing to do with what you're there for. That's what always bothers me about uh, Reddit is just is that part of it right there. I don't know. Maybe it's the difference in what subreddits we jump on. You I know. guess. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Over to space. Since GP is not here, we don't have to talk about space cockroaches. Um, this is quite interesting. Solar system with six exoplanets challenges theories on how planets form. So you were doing some research into this. Yes. What, what is this? Uh, this one is a, uh, a nearby uh, orange dwarf. The star has six planets on it. Yeah. Or, or orbiting it. Uh, it is 7.1 billion years old. Uh, and I believe I want to say it was like a thousand and something light years from us. I thought it was fairly close, relatively speaking. It says here that uh, this is actually, this is 200 light years away in the constellation uh, Sculptor. Okay. If this is the same one. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the same one. Uh, yeah, two hundred five years, yeah, light years away. Yeah, two place in orbit. So, geez, the innermost planet completes an orbit in just one point nine days, while the outermost world takes about ten times longer. So, what? 19 days? I was going to say like 10, 15, 20 days, something like that. Man. Uh, they have sizes ranging from about one to three times the size of the Earth. That's actually, that's actually really fast. That is it, enormous. It, that, it, is, it, that is lightning fast orbit. for something that's yeah. 1.9 days to make one orbit. Yeah, one orbit. That, that would be like, <laughs> you, would, you would literally, for, for the closest one, you would go through the, the, the summer, spring, or, you know, or spring, summer, fall, winter. winter. Fall. Yeah, all in one. Yeah, within, within a day. Within a day. Yeah, you, you would hit all of those. Like that. That is crazy. And then the other one, you would do it within uh, less than a month. That's that kind of that put a damper on like ski trips and stuff, wouldn't it? Camping trips. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a few minutes to enjoy the snow. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, we're going skiing. Okay, well, uh, what are you doing the day after that? Well, we're going to be laying out working on our tan. Well, it might be a little, might be a little difficult to uh, do any of those things because the. Uh, the masses of the planets, though they're different sizes or similar sizes, one to three times the size of the Earth, um, their mass is 1.5 to 30 times the mass of Earth. So a 1.5 would mean gravity would be a little bit stronger. Um, it would be so you to walk. Yeah, I was going to say you'd have a little bit of trouble walking around then, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you probably still could. You just would get tired really quick. It might be difficult to breathe, you know, those kind of things. Well, being that close, none of these planets have atmospheres, right? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming since they're, uh, I'm assuming they're really close. I'm not seeing how far they are from their sun. Um, well, buddy, if they're, if they're zipping around that thing, like 1.9 days and less than a month around, you know, to complete one orbit around a star that compress that into think about that, right? We get 365 days in a year because that's how long it takes for us to make one orbit around our sun. Yeah. Their year is one po- change. Yeah, their their year is one point nine days to the closest one, if you can imagine. That that that's um that's difficult to imagine. It, it is. It, it is. Man. You know, I mean, there, there's no way you could have a, cal- a a calendar to calculate that. Like, there's no way. Anything else on it? Yeah, I was seeing if they said anything else on it. They're saying the five. Uh, they initially thought this was only a five exo planet. They they thought there was only five planets because the innermost planet was moving so quickly. They didn't pick up the resonance or they weren't paying attention to it, if you will. And then they were like, wait, we, we figured out what the resonance chain is for these others. Let's try this, you know, and look a little closer. And they found that last planet in there because, OK, how we do this at, at distant exoplanet discovery is you have uh, the star. And based on how that wavelength of the light wobbles, if you will, is uh, planets passing in front of the star. So every time, you know, obviously it's like uh, having a, a light or something and you're moving a, like a ball or something in front of the light as it orbits around, you're going to have a slight shift in that, that light, the, the um, luminosity of it, right? So they, they measure to try to get, you know, how uniform it is, if it's the same or very similar dip in uh, the amount of light emitted. So they can say, okay, that's a single planet. It's orbiting at this speed and so on and so forth. So... It's quite an interesting, and they also use uh, other like background radiation and that kind of thing to kind of track the planets as well once they identify them. And there's some other fun stuff that goes on with like gravity lenses and all kinds of fun stuff. There's gravity lenses are where there's a, a, like a gravity well or a, or a point of gravity where when light passes through it, it like magnifies the light, if you will. 
Um, it's really interesting kind of a thing. That's how we actually found a star here recently. It's um, a large, very large blue star, very, very large. But the distance that it's at, we shouldn't be able to see it. And um, they were observing one point for, I, I forget how many years. And then all of a sudden they f found a new star in that same area that, you know, just completely new. They were watching a supernova. And turns out it was a gravity lens that occurred in that area and uh, magnified the, the star. And that's how we were able to identify it. And that one was like 7 billion light years away or something like that. That's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. We were talking about black holes before we started briefly. Mm -hmm. And didn't you say the largest one that we've ever discovered? Like, let's talk about that for a second. The largest one we've ever discovered is how big was it, did you say? Okay, so this one is the, quote, heaviest. I, I don't really know if it's like the largest as in the amount of space it takes up. But as far as the heaviest, densest, you know, the, the one with the most mass is 70 billion solar masses. So, so solar the mass sun. is the size of our sun. Yeah. So one solar mass is our, our sun and take 70 billion of our suns, put them together. And that makes the largest or, or heaviest that we're aware of. And also this, um, the size of it, I, I was reading on this, the size of it was in the vicinity of, we have a cluster of galaxies that are close to us in the Milky Way, right? We have a little mm -hmm. cluster. The third largest galaxy in this cluster is also the same size as this black hole. So in other words, the black hole is essentially the size of um, our our galaxy, more or less, or, or the cluster. You know, I, I think about the size, I mean, you put that into context, right? The size of that thing. That I mean, that can do some serious damage. I mean, if that just and how far away is it? Um, uh, it's, a, it's a few. Uh, I'm wanting to say it was like 13 billion light years. Uh, no, excuse me. This one is 10 billion. There's another one we found that's 13. How, how in the name of hell? 10 billion light years. Light yeah, years. 10 billion light years. Yeah. Okay. Light years. How on mm -hmm. earth? How on earth? And I mean that quite literally. How on earth can we see something that far and yet we can't deal with this garbage about getting out of our houses? How's that even possible? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, again, we have scientists dealing with this and the others, we have politics. Well, they're trying to fuel the two, or excuse me, they're trying to merge the two, science and politics. Anyway. Very All right. Um, what do you think? This, this is a legit question. What do you think the future of the Space Force is if a Biden presidency continues? U.S. Space Force, according to General Hayton or Hayton, whatever his name is, says that the Space Force is on solid ground despite speculation. I see if the agenda that we're talking about, we're not we're not doing it today. We're talking about it tomorrow. The agenda out of the World Economic Forum doesn't allow for individual nation states. So the Space Force in this sense would become irrelevant from the United States. It would have to go under some type of an international coalition under their rule uh, if that's if that's to, uh, to be the way of the future. Uh, and so that remains to be seen. I think these people, maybe not necessarily these ones in particular, but I'm talking about the, the Davos group, but their type, their kind, they're the reason we're so far behind when it comes to space travel. They're the ones that are the hindrance, but yet they're saying, well, we're going to be the ones that bring it to you. No, you're going to bring a sense of whatever you decide you want it to be rather than let humanity flex its muscles and do things through innovation. That's what it's going to be. There's the difference right there. Yeah, so they, what they do you think? They better start flexing. They really oh. better start flexing their muscles or they're going to they're gonna lose it because corporations yeah. are going to get up there. And once they're up there, they can't stop them. Yeah. 
And and just so happens, those happen to be the essential corporations involved mm-hmm. with them. So uh, what do you think the future is for the Space Force under a Biden so, presidency? Uh, it, it, looking at it just from a uh, local politics, so local being just America, uh, if we were look at it, to look at it from that perspective, Biden is old guard. He's uh, hawkish. He's not uh, he's not against he's against going to war when it's not his investment parties that are providing the ammunition and weapons and whatnot. Uh, But if it's his investment party. So in other words, if he has investments in uh, companies that are going to go to space or provide weapons in space, Space Force will accelerate. It'll do fantastic. Right. They'll they'll start advancing it. But as far as um, on a on a global scale, it really depends on how I don't know. I mean, because technically, from a air pollution standpoint, going to space isn't a pollutant because the it's water vapor that that comes off of that. And at the very worst, the the um, the methane fuel that um, uh, Tesla uses, or excuse me, SpaceX uses methane. Uh, one of the the side products is um, uh, nitrous oxide. We we have that in the atmosphere right now. It's not. I mean, it's laughing gas essentially. Also is flammable, but I don't know. I, I honestly, uh, my my initial impression is the genie's out of the bottle. They can't stop this one. Tesla has made it so, uh, Tesla, excuse me. Um, Musk has made it so uh, well known about space travel and has encouraged a generation coming up uh, about space travel. He has the Zoomers. If you looked at a lot of the crews that were working, many of them were Zoomers. The, those are for those that what don't know the, the Zoomers. Is, that's, what is a Zoomer? What is it? A Zoomer is the generation after millennial. So they would be the early twenties, late teens, early twenties okay. of, of the generation. So we'll say twenty five is the oldest, maybe twenty six mm-hmm. now since it's twenty twenty one. A lot of those were Zoomers out there. I mean, you you heard the radio operator. Radio operator sounded like they were twenty five at the oldest. They obviously had older uh, there as well, experienced. But they're bringing up an entire generation that's looking forward to this. Millennials have been looking forward to this for a long time. There's been memes going around that we're the generation that's caught in between. We're the generation that's just starting space travel and will never live to see the kind of space travel like Star Trek, right? We're, we're kind of in that in-between spot. But we have a generation and the generation after them are coming up that are excited about space. You can't put this genie back in the bottle. This is this is a unifying thing for humanity. If we can get the entire human race to focus on space, a lot of our other differences can be put aside and you will create a global. See, again, the, yeah, I, no, I get it. Again, this is why I think that, see, they want to be able to, to steer that and control it and suppress it and and only allow it to you know benefit them and a small group of people. See, they're behind though. They're behind. They're way behind. And you can see them grasping like they're desperate to grab a hold of this agenda. And it's just I, I honestly I don't think it's going to work because they're all about suppression. I mean, the stuff that fascist boy, excuse me, Klaus Schwab talks about or did I have it right the first time? The stuff mm-hmm. that he talks about and all this uh, this utopian stuff, which, by the way, that's not what they want to give you. The stuff that, that they're talking about. Does any of that sound like you would be? Uh, happy and fulfilled and innovative and striving to do more. No, no, that's not about advancing yourself. That's about being suppressed, obeying and doing what you're told. And if you step out of line, then you're um, turned off more or less. That's not advancement. 
That's not advancement for let. That's not advancement for you as an individual, let alone society or civilization. You know, when we when we were doing the space program in the early days of NASA after the war, when that was going on, the amount of progress, and I mean real progress, not this progressive stuff you hear about in politics, but real progress, the amount of progress that we had as a civilization, as a, as a human species, was faster than anything we had accomplished up to that point. Now, granted, we did it with German scientists, but, uh, I mean, with, with the help of German scientists, but... The V2 project, yeah? That, that, right. That, Whole. Well, and yeah, and von Braun himself, Werner von Braun himself, developed the blueprints for the space shuttle back in the 30s. Back in mm -hmm. the 30s, and that didn't come along until well after the after the Apollo program was down. Then, of course, the shuttle came along. But the thing is, is like that is real innovation. That's real progress because if you look at back during then or back during that time, how much of an advancement was made in society because of the space program? You've talked about that before. Yeah, we've had. We, we've had thousands of innovations that have come out of it. I mean, for example, one of the innovations that is not well known, the ballpoint pen. That was actually an innovation that was the pens at the time, you know, as an example, uh, a fountain pen. You can't use a fountain pen in space because of the, the microgravity. It'd be very messy. It would be very messy. So they, they had to create something else that was capable of writing upside down and, you know, in a microgravity. And that's... Uh, that's where the ballpoint pen came from. Uh, so Velcro, Velcro. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that have advanced, and I, you know, I'd have to pull up a list of all the things that we've gotten from that. But uh, like microwave technology, I believe came from it as well, from some of the the research and stuff they were doing at the time. So there's a lot of advancements that we enjoy today that, uh, or is a part of our life you know, we, we take for granted that came from that innovation period. And, you know, you can argue there's, there's an argument to be made, uh, that says that, uh, it, that was government involvement. So that's why it pushed forward. And, you know, the, the public private partnership as it is currently worded today. And we know where no, that's coming from. Yeah. The, the difference between the public private partnership and the government, setting forward that kind of an initiative and plan, you had an entire world at that point that was focused on this one objective. Like there was so much passion and drive for it that they were trying to, they had an end goal and they were trying to innovate to that goal, right? And in this case with the public, public private situation, it's not an end goal of we're gonna get to the stars. It's an end goal of we're going to control you and we're going to tell you what you can and can't do. We're going to design the society that you will enjoy. It's not. That's no, it. I don't think so. No, nah, it's not my. Nah, nah, you can keep it. You can keep it. All right. We're out of time this morning. So thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.